Hey, Hit Factory listeners. If you're enjoying and want even more Hit Factory, including the entirety of this episode, consider becoming a patron of the show at patreon.com slash hitfactorypod. For just $5 per month, you'll get access to our premium biweekly episodes, bonus episodes, and a lot more. Thanks for listening and supporting. Well, and this is interesting, too, because the film, for the most part, and, and especially because of the influence of Wu and, and Chao Yun-Fat in here, it's like it follows pretty like to the letter the same sort of kind of beats of these now classic like heroic bloodshed films exactly. of Hong yeah, Kong yeah, yeah. action. Yeah, it feels a lot like one of those movies just uh, basically just on the other side of the um the, the smuggling operations that they they usually are involved in. Um right. uh and for some reason um Kenneth Snag's number 2 is Jürgen Prock now, but uh I mean I'm not upset to see him. It's just a Our little good confusing. friend Jürgen Prock now. He, I, yeah. I love this guy. Yeah, I I I love Jürgen until Schweiger also yeah. shows up, another German oh, yeah. guy. Um, uh, this is something that I think Fuqua has from the jump and and retains through his career with all its ups and downs. The guy loves a movie star, and he loves a movie star face. I, I was thinking about this in relation specifically to Training Day, because Training Day is like the next, yes. you know, like where where he kind of really gets gets his Hollywood momentum, right? And, and, yeah. You know, the the you're you're. I would guess more of a training day guy than I am because I I uh, truly do not like training day. I don't. I find it extraordinarily unpleasant in a non good way. Mm, see, I think the the distinction here is because uh, I'm also a big David Ayer. Guy. Yeah, you're an Ayer head, and yeah. uh, I know that he's not for everyone. He is. He he, he makes some pretty mean movies write some pretty mean Very scripts so. yeah. like bright of course you know uh, the... <laughs> that was uh that was david ayer's star wars uh by any means we're talking about uh, david fincher's new film the killer which the killer. Uh, had a very limited theatrical run and is yeah. now streaming on uh the platform netflix yes in wonderful 360p <laughs> it looked pretty good when i streamed it uh, yeah it looked but... it looked clean I'm, i'll i'll give it i'll give it that it actually it, it didn't it's not too bad. It's not super compressed. Uh, the sound design, I, well, I think we both got a chance to see this film while it was in theaters. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you know, the sound is incredible. The score, uh, it's it's Reznor and Ross. They're back. They're back again. Yep. Um, and uh, the score is almost entirely like David Lynch style, like industrial noises, like machine hums. I um, fucking love it. It's like, it, yeah. I, I mean, it, it harkens back to sort of like the very aggressive, like noise ambient, like Nine Inch Nails experimental stuff and, and yes. feels much more like antagonistic than anything they've done in a hot minute, which I right. adore. Yeah, it's uh, it's nasty. Um, and it's a movie that a lot of people are apparently... Um. Well, too stupid to sort of get. Um, they are not fucking getting. It. Can, okay, let's talk about this. Let's like, talk I, about it. I, yeah. I, even just today, saw no less than five nigh identical comments about this movie that said it would have been so much better if it didn't have the voiceover in it. Uh, and this is frustrating I, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I will say this film was 
one of those movies I wasn't entirely sure what I was watching until the last shot. But it's a movie about, to my mind, it reminded me a lot of a conversation you and I were having the other day, but it's a movie about uh, trying really hard to convince yourself that your job is not an evil thing for you to spend your time doing. (laughs) It's a guy trying really hard to convince himself that what he's doing is cool and okay, and he's cool and okay with it. And people are not, people are not like reading the irony of it, which is uh, really weird. And I think, I mean, I think people are expecting something more straightforward. They see something like this. I I keep hearing, I mean, even people who I think have a, a better read on the film or even who like the film have said many a time now, like, Oh, it's, it's a return to form for Fincher. It's him diving back into the kind of pulpy genre thrills that he's known for. And I think what I admire so much about this film, because I'll, I'll just say up front here, I love this movie. You've I think it so like far a hundred times you're going Titanic I, mode on this. Or I'm on Titanic mode on it. I Titanic, by uh, the way, was uh, number one at the box office when replacement killers came out. This is like a little Titanic's run. Yeah. Where uh, it yeah. was for, for ages. But uh, yeah. this movie uh, I think is my favorite of the year so far. I, I have some, some notable yeah. gaps to fill. Paw Patrol. That's right. Yeah. Th- I mean, it's, it's a film that I think sort of, has a kaleidoscopic effect over all of Fincher's career where like I've seen this film compared to literally everyone in his filmography, save sure. for maybe like Mank. And even there, I think there's probably, you know, something that you can pull and, and find a, a comparison. Oh, of course, Mank is a movie about a guy who's conflicted about whether what he's doing is the right thing to be doing. Like it's, That's it's true. the same. Yeah. It's the one, the famous thing about Fincher is that he's exacting. And yes. so to watch a movie about that opens with a guy being very exacting and then fucking up, yep. are you not, you don't get it? You don't immediately like figure out that he's sort of examining something here? Right. Um, There's a great metatextual quality to it as well, obviously, right? And and it's even in the formalism of the film. Like, you yeah. know, one of the things that we know about Fincher is that he is incredibly averse to specific types of shots and uh, compositions. One of those being handheld he fucking hates handheld if he can get away without doing it for an entire movie he's a happy camper and this movie has significant like chunks of it that are done and it may be digitally assisted here i think like i i I feel like it is certainly like a fincher-esque kind of handheld but what he's doing is like upsetting a lot of the expectations of what we're used to seeing and sort of his clinical approach to filmmaking yeah and we're seeing that as this character becomes further and further unmoored in his behavior from the type of guy that he believes himself to be in his sort of mantra that he keeps reciting to himself. Never improvise. Yeah. 